Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s. And Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey. We created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. This week on the podcast, we welcome back Dr. Will Cole. Dr. Cole is a best-selling author and a leading functional medicine expert. Dr. Cole specializes in clinically investigated underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal dysfunction, digestive disorders, and brain problems. Dr. Cole is named one of the top 50 functional medicine and integrative doctors in the nation. He is also the co-host of the new podcast, The Art of Being Well. He has also authored three books, The Best-Selling Ketotarian, The Inflammation Spectrum, and today we discuss his newest book, Intuitive Fasting, which will be released on February 23rd. You can pre-order it now by clicking the link in our show notes. And if you would also like to listen to Dr. Cole's first episode of the Courageous Wellness Podcast, you can find that episode in our show notes too. In the book, Intuitive Fasting, Dr. Cole illustrates the most effective ways to fast and to eat to amplify the health benefits of intermittent fasting, balancing rest and repair with clean, nutrient-dense, delicious foods. Along with more than 65 recipes, he also includes a maintenance plan so you can adapt fasting and feeding windows to sustainably work with your lifestyle. It was a pleasure to sit down with Dr. Cole again and talk all about intermittent and intuitive fasting. Enjoy the episode. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Cole. We're so happy to have you 
back. And for anyone who hasn't listened in our show notes, you can find the link to your first episode to hear more about your personal story to the work you do. Um, But just to kick off this episode, for anyone who didn't listen to that episode, and this is their first time tuning in to you, can you talk to us a little bit about your practice and um, as a functional medicine doctor, and also your philosophy on nutrition? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Well, yeah, my day job as it were, what hasn't changed in the past 12 years. My, my focus has always been my patients. And we started actually one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over 12 years ago. We've been doing webcam consults for a long time. So from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., that's my main focus. And that hasn't changed, you know. And the books come as a ripple effect from that. So typically writing on weekends. And it's easy to write about these things because you're seeing it 10 hours a day uh, over 40 hours a week. So it's uh, when I'm talking about in, intuitive fasting and intermittent fasting or a clean ketotarian diet with, as with uh, ketotarian, my first book, or the inflammation spectrum in the second book, all of this stuff is born out of just me seeing people. Um, so it's a unique opportunity that I have. I don't take that lightly at all. It's really a a sacred responsibility that I take very seriously to be a part of somebody's health journey because we're dealing with people with really, um, really serious health issues. A lot of autoimmune problems, um, which can look very different for different types of people, but there's over a hundred different autoimmune diseases that we know today, and at least a 40 above that 100 that have autoimmune components. So we deal a lot with that, chronic fatigue issues, hormonal problems, digestive issues, and um, brain health issues like anxiety and depression and brain fog, that's those type of things. So it's a, there's a lot of interconnectedness within those problems, but yeah, that's my main focus. And uh, so that's what I do. I mean, it's, we run labs, we find, we find out what's going on. We get multiple labs perspective from their vantage point, what's going on. So we're providing them a comprehensive evidence-based functional medicine perspective on it and then we lean into these things and we give them the due diligence and the attention and the thoughtfulness that these complex cases deserve Um, you cannot be on autopilot you cannot be redundant you cannot be uh just superficial with these cases because most of my patients are extremely well-read extremely erudite they are very immersed in this stuff either in healthcare professionally, and we see a lot of people from healthcare that are looking to get their health improved, or they've been forced to immerse themselves in this because of their own health struggles. And they've had to be their own health, their doctor in many ways, because no one else is listening to them. So to truly listen and hold space for people that are struggling and and up against some really difficult things is a very, uh, Again, it's that what, what way I describe it is a sacred responsibility. It is a responsibility. Uh, it is not something you can just show up and half-ass it with work. You have to be there. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think, I mean, the work that you do, we talk a lot about functional medicine and, and the, sort of the concept um, and how it can really apply across a lot of different things with the idea of like just getting to the root of, of a problem um, mm-hmm. rather than treating symptoms. And so I think 
not only the specific kind of clinical work that you do, but just this, this movement in the, in the health and, and medical space seems to be more and more vital. Um, and I hope it continues to grow in the way that it has. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you before we get into talking about your next book and talking about um, intuitive fasting, which is the name of it. I'm actually curious, this is sort of like your personal opinion and perspective on something, but you know, you have become quite a well-known and well-respected doctor in the media and um, you know, through, through all of the different formats, your books, but also your podcasts, your goop fellas, et cetera. And so you've been exposed to sort of like the, how do I say this? I was going to say the goopiest, the most sort of high end, um, wellness world that exists. And you also continue for 12 years out of Pittsburgh to run a daily practice where Mm -hmm. you meet with people across the world because of telehealth. And I'm curious, especially in this year, we've seen, you know, these disparities have always existed in our country, but especially in in the context of dealing with a global pandemic, dealing with massive food insecurities, dealing with disparities in our healthcare system, which again, have always existed, but have really been brought to the surface from a, um, I think an awareness level of people hadn't been aware before or hadn't been personally impacted by it before, maybe now have a new found awareness for this. And I'm curious as a professional, where, like, where do you see the disparities lie and what would your hope be to bridge that gap i guess it's just sort of like what would your um i'm not asking you to have the solutions for it but just like as someone who sees like on a daily basis yeah the chronic illness but it's also like doesn't disparage i'm sure you see it across um all different platforms i'm just curious like what your desire or what your insights might be about those uh yeah if that sure, makes sense. No, I, I completely understand what you're saying. So you're right. I, I see a full continuum of um, different socioeconomic backgrounds and, and autoimmunity knows no, like does not look at your bank account. Uh, so it's, it's very much across all gamuts. And it's interesting. Most of my patients are middle-class working class upper middle class, that sort of spectrum of people, they're not super wealthy. They're working 40 hours plus a week. Some of them multiple, you know, multiple things uh, in their life. uh, Profession wise, statistically, our clinic for the past 12 years is people in healthcare, nurses predominantly, school teachers, and uh, engineers. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, and, and we've seen that consistently for 12 years. And I found that those three professions have one thing in common. They all love spreadsheets. <laughs> they, all, they all like being getting to the root cause and like giving it the due diligence. The teachers love the visual nature of like almost like finding out what's 
keeping their health back. The nurses love the uh, health education side of it and getting to the root cause. A lot of the training is designed for that, even in a conventional setting. And the engineers really love the spreadsheets and understanding it too, and getting to the root cause and not just covering up symptoms. And, and those are all normal people. Those are all people that are just working. They're middle-class people predominantly. So, um, I, I, but at the same time, and, and also this, I'm based in Pittsburgh, so I'm not in Los Angeles. I'm not in Beverly Hills. I'm, I'm not in, in Bel Air. I'm not in the upper west side of New York. I, I am in a, in a middle class, working class city too, and have been most of my life. So it is, uh, I, I'm quite aware of where things are at in both rural and urban food deserts where they don't have access to air wands and uh, the high-end uh, fancy health food stores and restaurants. That's uh, fast food and that's basically it. But um, so both on a personal and professional level, I get it. I totally understand it. We have a long way to go. Uh, but I, I was actually having this conversation with Melissa Urban who runs Whole30, he started Whole30, and he's doing amazing things in the space of democratizing health in, in many ways. So she, uh, we were talking about this in the sense of 12 years ago, we did not have the options, just 12 years ago, we didn't have the options that we have today. I mean, the fact that Aldi and Costco and Walmart and Target uh, it, are providing Whole Foods, real foods, uh, healthy foods, I mean, like natural stuff and options uh, is, is really awesome. I mean, really cool. And um, does that mean it's fixed? No, it just means that I think we're in many ways moving in the right direction. And I think a lot of it is, is of course, it's access, but it's also education and empowerment and having and allowing people that are giving them agency over their health. Many people are so divorce and the way that our culture set up it is like access to healthcare and and access to healthy foods really doesn't do anything if you're not getting somebody healthy meaning that this, the whole healthcare system right now and the way that food access is right now it's not really designed for optimal health so you have to actually empower somebody educate them and give them tools so that to know where to even go for things that can improve their health so uh, I think that, that uh, what we're, the conversations like we're having right now is really important because people don't even know they have agency over their health. They're just doing their life. They're grocery shopping and shopping the things they always shop for, or maybe their parents shopped for. So there's generational things that need to be unlearned and learned in a different way because I've seen that. You know, I, we've done grocery shopping tours for people that have never cooked vegetables in their life, mm -hmm. uh, that didn't really understand the periphery of a grocery store. So we, I've, I've seen it uh, firsthand for a long time. Um, so a lot of that's education. I think if I, if I could be so bold, I think the education empowerment is actually most of it. And then from there, of course, access is important. Of course, affordability is important, all that stuff. But in the West, we, there's exceptions to what I'm about to say, right? And I'm extremely aware of the exceptions. But there, the vast majority of things that, are, that Americans, as a general rule, spend their money on, it, it, is, it is things of luxury that the rest of the world would be like, 
wow. Even even our the the lowest class spend their money like with on things that are very frivolous compared to the developing world. Um, so there's exceptions to that, of, of course. There's people that are starving in our country. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about those things. Yeah. I'm talking about the general. Uh, how do we spend our money? And actually, if you look statistically, Americans spend not a lot of their income on healthy food yeah. compared to the other part, other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. So how much of it is a priority at, at versus an actual price issue? And I think that we need to really go back to empowerment and education to let people know, actually, no, the more you're spending your money on high quality foods, people tend to let spend less on healthcare costs later on in life. Right. That's absolutely, I think that's absolutely like a key point to, to think about too, because of how outrageous the cost of healthcare is in our country. And I remember when I went through a cancer diagnosis at 29, it was like, had I not been insured? that you know my surgeries were which weren't massive surgeries but like would have been like eighty thousand dollars and yes it's crazy i you know this idea of the fact that like fresh produce is sometimes more expensive sometimes not all the time but sometimes more expensive than like you know a burger from xyz fast food mm-hmm. um, that's like that's an economic issue and a subsidy issue that we have in our country mm-hmm. but but you know as you say we also have not been taught to prioritize our own spending our vote with our dollar you know um mm-hmm. which dr hyman talks a lot about which i really that's like the empowerment key i think that you just mentioned where it's like mm-hmm. we actually have we can if we have the education we can also drive demand in that way um yeah yeah. So thank you for speaking that. I just was like interested in your hearing your thoughts because I do think you have this really wide like view on sort of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it took us, you know, like we're both, I'm from LA, Ali's from New York and New Jersey. And when we started traveling and going to different parts of this amazing country, it's very different, right? So your perspective is so incredible. And I think this concept of education and empowerment, I was personally even able to really educate and empower myself through picking up books from, you know, my favorite doctors and and nutritionists. And it's how I really learned about the gut and all of that good stuff. So I think I'm so excited because I've personally gained so much from your first two books and I'm so excited for this new one on intuitive fasting. So can you share with us, um, intermittent fasting has become like increasingly popular. Um, so can you share your method of intuitive fasting and fasting for our listeners? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So as I mentioned at the top of the conversation, that intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding or different fasting protocols are things that I've used in my personal life for a long time and used clinically for over a decade. Um, so it's, this isn't nothing new. And I think that if anything, it's having its you know zeitgeist moment uh, in pop culture. But you know, even when the sun rises and falls on any sort of awareness in pop culture, to me, if something's backed by science and backed by clinical experience, like backed by just anecdotal stuff that I've seen clinically, that's really my primary, like, that's what I get excited about. But I'm also excited too that people are paying attention to this amazing tool. And I just want to be part of the conversation 
uh, in a way that uh, I find is, I feel is healthy and I feel that is sustainable for people and approachable for people and flexible for people. Cause you can have an amazing tool like intermittent fasting, just like ketogenic diet or really any, almost anything in wellness. And it can be used really for good and used to amplify one's health and really leverage all these benefits that we are seeing in the scientific literature, or it could be abused and used not well and not in a way that I think is really conducive to sustainable health. And that's really my primary agenda as a functional medicine practitioner. And I don't want uh, an eating disorder disguised as a wellness practice and like being super punitive and arduous and like punishing your body or fasting your way out of a poor diet and this sort of binging uh, restrictive sort of thing. That is not the conversation that I, 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 that's not the way that I want this to be used. And that's hence its name of the book is intuitive fasting. It's a, and I mean that in many different ways. I want people to get to the place of intuitive eating. Cause I really think that that is um, the, a, a sustainable way to go about life. And I want people to just be guided from a place of intuition, even beyond food and wellness, just like living from a sense of a deep knowing and a resonant grace and lightness that will guide your life, including food. But so, but it's really hard. It's easy for me to say that, right? It's easy for me to say, and it's easy for people on social media to say intuitive eating, right? Well, talk to my patients. When you're in, when you, when they're first meeting me and they're in the throes of an autoimmune flare, flare or blood sugar problems or chronic fatigue issues or insatiable cravings or weight loss resistance or whatever we're talking about, what is, what's up is down and down is up because it's really hard to discern between intuition and inflammation is what is it intuition or hormone imbalance is it intuition or hangriness like when you're craving that junk food is that really intuition well probably not it's a confused system that is disguised itself as intuition because that is uh, inflammation breeds imbalance in the body and it's noise it's this proverbial noise physiologically speaking that is so loud uh, uh, physiologically, it's so loud that it, it dulls the noise of the still small voice of your intuition. So I actually want people to calm that imbalance on a physical level so they can actually hear that, that, that still small voice of their intuition and be guided from that. So that intermittent fasting is a great way to do that because it allows you to create metabolic flexibility so metabolic inflexibility your metabolic rigidity is being stuck and bound in this sugar burning mode where you're hangry and fatigued and inflammatory problems in the body anxious depressed all that stuff that is really hard to hear that what your body needs clearly and um when what i want people to get to is having that flexibility to burn sugar and burn fat from a fuel standpoint. So they're not always stuck in the sugar burning mode, but they have the ability to burn fat for fuel. And that's kindling on the fire is like that sugar for fuel. You're gonna keep having to put kindling on the fire, but burning a fat for fuel is like having a log on the fire. It's more slow burning, more sustainable, but there's a time and place for kindling on the fire. That's flexibility. In the research, it's referred to as metabolic indecision, where you're kind of stuck in this sort of metabolic purgatory where you can't, you're, you're not fully fat adapted and you're stuck in sugar, sugar, sugar burning mode. You're pr pretty um, hangry and irritable. 
that's no place of grace. That's no place of actually knowing what your body loves. And there's no like, it's, that's why when people go and try to going off with sugar and refined carbohydrates, they can feel miserable because their body is kind of bound by that kindling on the fire. But I want people to actually get the kindling off for a while, get some flexibility, and then we can get some clean kindling and clean carb cycling to use the benefits of those, which is immediate energy and, and good for the microbiome and good for female hormones and the thyroid and all that stuff. So all of this stuff, I want people to have that so they can build this metabolic flexibility for themselves. And intermittent fasting is a way to do that. And I have in the book a flexible four-week intermittent fasting plan that is the way that I describe it in the book, the way that I see it visually is like this yoga class for your metabolism where you're kind of stretching and contracting your metabolism through vacillating windows of fasting and uh, eating. And it allows your body to go in deeper times of ketosis and then lighter times of ketosis. And then we have that at the end of like a yoga class, you have that savasana. That's what's going on with the end of the four weeks is that you're increasing these clean carbohydrates to rekindle the, bring, bring the kindling back. So in a nutshell, that's how I use it. Uh, that's how I use it in my own life. That's how I use it uh, for patients. And I'm excited for people to check it out with the book too. That's great. Can you, can you tell our listeners, if anybody doesn't know, because I think for so many years, like we're talking about, you know, pop culture and, and sort of wellness popularity things. And for so many years, I think we're sort of past this now, but um, this idea of like, I need to like rev up my metabolism, like constant, like that constant stoking, right. In mm -hmm. order to lose weight or whatever, whatever the like goal may have been. Um, and can you talk to us a little bit about the benefits of being metabolically flexible? So it's not just yeah. like needing, wanting like the fastest metabolism you can get kind of, because I think that was like this thing that was presented in pop culture for a long time. We're in yeah. the trends, you know? Yeah, so. totally. Yeah. So, I mean, anybody struggling with any inflammatory problem is going to benefit from a flexible metabolism. So that could be increased energy. Uh, that could be better, better brain fuel because what's happening. I mean, let's look at the mechanisms at play and let's get super geeky here, but that your body's producing various amounts of ketones. Beta hydroxybutyrate BHB is the ketone that your body produces in a state of fasting. Same with the ketogenic diet. I mean, ketogenic diet, and intermittent fasting both produce ketones, uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate being the main one that research is exploring and, and all the research is around. Um, and in many ways, it's mimicking the, be the benefits of fasting without actually fasting with a ketogenic diet. So just for people that are wondering, like when, with intuitive fasting, I amount, we're marrying the benefits of ketotarian, which is a clean ketogenic diet. That's the title of my first book. But I talked about intermittent fasting and passing in ketotarian because it's such a part of a clean keto fat adapted life because the more fat adapted you are the more logs you have on the fire the longer you're going to be able to go without food not because you're willing it or because you're punishing your body because your blood sugar is more stable you're eating more calorically dense foods you're more satiated so you're just naturally doing time-restricted feeding so it's kind of the conversations flipped with this book to see how these both go together and having a larger conversation about clean carb cycling, about how that's used and really leveraging the benefits of both 
a clean keto diet and intermittent fasting and kind of all together. So the benefits of beta hydroxybutyrate it's, it's known in research as the fourth macronutrient. So you have proteins, fats, carbs, and ketones. So it's a fuel for the body and your body makes it endogenously. You don't need to buy it or, uh, you know, it's not a supplement. I mean, you can buy exogenous ketones. There's a supplement for everything, right? But, but your body, you don't need the supplements. You can make it yourself and your body can make it. So it's, it's a way to burn fat. Yes, right? I mean, it is tapping into your own fat stores and becoming a fat burner, certainly. But I'm actually far more interested in the research beyond that. Yeah, yes, you'll, as, as I say in the book, you, you have to get healthy to lose weight instead of losing weight to get healthy. Yes, a natural byproduct of getting healthy will be natural weight loss to find a healthy weight for you. But for the people that don't have to lose weight, that are happy with their weight, there's so many more health benefits beyond that that I see with my patients. So, it's a signaling molecule for lots of really cool pathways in the body. One of them is that ketone lowers neuroinflammation, specifically in the brain. It lowers systemic inflammation. So these like the NF-kappa-B uh, NF pathway, the NRP3 inflammasome, these pro-inflammatory cytokines that are super high in people with autoimmune conditions and fatigue and anxiety and depression, it lowers that. It increases mitochondrial biogenesis, actually making new mitochondria, which you need for cellular energy. It increases autophagy, which is like cellular recycling. It increases stem cells. I mean, it can go on and on. It, it regulates the microbiome. It's doing a lot of amazing things for your brain, your immune system, your hormones, and your metabolism, in short. So uh, that's, that's all the benefits that we're tapping into here. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle, aluminum-free, baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands, and each and every time I was plagued with those red itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper-clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand, and in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. What is your ideal fasting window or what fasting windows do you suggest um, for beginners um, to start at? Yeah. So the, as its name implies, intuitive fasting, I want people to actually grow, start growing an intuition early on. 
at the beginning, again, there's a quiz that I adapted from questions that I ask patients in the book where they can kind of learn about their body, learn how metabolically flexible they are. Are they really flexible? Are they fairly flexible or like not so flexible at all? Um, and then you can retake that quiz after the four week plan. And as you both know, and for people that are, that are more savvy with wellness, it's the four weeks are going, you can cycle through these four weeks as much as you need to. I know the reader, every reader is going to be coming in at different points of their health journey. They may need three, four, five, six cycles of these. Maybe one person just, maybe some people just need one cycle, but you're going to incrementally, as you more that you do this, you're going to be leaning into more metabolic flexibility, but the four weeks will ebb and flow these windows of fasting and eating. So the first week is a body reset fast. It's a 12-12 time-restricted feeding window. So very simple starting point. It is a 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. or 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. eating window. You can get your calories in throughout that whole day. And we're focusing on a ketotarian diet then to even when we're not fasting, starting to get metabolically flexible through a high healthy fat, moderate protein, low carbohydrate, mostly plant-based clean ketogenic diet to increase ketosis even when we're not even when we're eating. And then we're breaking the fast and through the night until we break the fast at breakfast in the morning. So that allows the person to lean into the fast with a very light time restricted feeding. Now I realize if someone's super inflamed, super metabolically inflexible, and I say this in the book, you may want to repeat week one for and make week one, week one and week two. Mm -hmm. So I want that it, even within the first week, I want them to, to start learning about their body and seeing, check in with themselves. How's your energy? How's your blood sugar? How's your inflammation levels? How do you feel about this way of eating? To really say, well, let's not do too much too soon just for the sake of it, because Dr. Wilkel says it in a book. I want you to like self-pace this so we can really let this be sustainable because this is not a program. This is not a diet. This is just what I want this to be is integrating you feeling great in your life, integrating wellness into your life. And there's no finite four week thing that ultimately like that comes secondary to your intuition. So second week is metabolic recharge is a bit deeper. It's about a 14 to 18 hour time restricted feeding window. I, there's a lot of research about this. And as that chapter's name implies, a metabolic recharge, a lot of the research is around metabolic flexibility, in decreasing meta cardiometabolic issues, uh, decreasing insulin resistance, decreasing inflammation, stabilizing blood sugar. Uh, and we're doing that for all of week two. So let's, I, I do that a lot during the week when I'm consulting patients. I'll do like an 18 hour, so I'm fasting between, or, I'm eating between noon and 6 p.m., six hours, and then I'm fasting after 6 p.m. through the next morning and then breaking my fast again at, at, at uh, noon. So it's a six-hour eating window or 18-hour fast, and we're including the nighttime, obviously, for people that are new to this. And then week three is the deepest fast. It is a cellular renewal fast. It's an every other day, almost OMAD fast. So it's a 22 to two fasting to eating window. And OMAD for people that are new to this, it's, a, it's one meal a day or OMAD. So it's, let's just say two to 4 p.m. You're getting your calories in and you're doing that every other day. So it's not every day, but I want people to dig deeper into ketosis then. That's when we're really working on autophagy, cellular renewal, uh, stem cell, mitochondrial biogenesis, sort of a, a repairing of the body. 
And um, week four is the hormonal rebalance. So it's back to 12-12 and with more clean carb cycling, which for people that are new to that, like a ketogenic diet is less than 50 grams of carbs, the way that I advocate it with ketotarian because we're focusing on fiber-rich vegetables, et cetera. And fiber by its very definition is a carbohydrate. So we're doing net carbs when we're talking about real foods. But the clean carb cycling is going about 75 grams, 150 grams of carbohydrates. I make it super easy in the book. You don't have to like be a math whiz or like be super granular about these macros. You just focus on the foods. If you want to use a tracking app, you can use something like Chronometer or MyFitnessPal or something. And then once you do it for a week or two, you kind of know more or less like what foods look like as far as the macros are concerned. And then you grow an intuition. You learn about your body. You start leaning into this stuff and it's just second nature. It's not something that you're uh, overly focused on because I want there to be a lightness to this. It's, and, but at the same time, you have to educate yourself about food for a while. Um, and once you get the hang of it, it'll just be very simple. Mm. So that's increasing things like sweet potatoes, rice, fruits, things like that on that week four. And then they can go back and cycle through another four weeks as many times as they want. So I know that's a long way of answering your question. I want people to have food window variability and I want people to have macro variability because that is that yoga class that I was mentioning of just expanding and contracting the metabolism to get the mitochondria and the microbiome and the body itself to get used to becoming metabolically flexible. Mm. It's, it's amazing. You broke it down really well, I think, for someone who's kind of newer to it. Um, I, it it's always amazing to me, I mean, you know this, but how food can be so, I mean, food can be medicine, food can be so effective um, and such an incredible tool, as you're saying, for all these additional health benefits that you can, you can achieve through doing something like this. Um, that being said, you also mentioned how this is not like a diet and you want people to really understand that this is something they're creating for themselves that ultimately will be a health benefit for a certain type of lifestyle um, and not just sort of like a crash trendy thing. Um, how do you reconcile like as a professional, maybe if you have a client coming into you who perhaps has had disordered eating in the past or has like a history of, you know, wreaking havoc on their metabolism and there's an emotional component. How do you healthfully as like the medical professional address that component of it while you also are trying to treat the metabolic inflexibility that they may have, the inflammation they may have, the things that are causing this chronic illness or the, you know, the autoimmune, um, inflammation or a flare how do you like attack that but also if someone is dealing with other kind of the emotional or the diet culture component of of that mentality that so many people are bombarded with like what do you do to to um kind of bridge that gap for them yeah it's always a balancing act right i mean as a clinician it's something that I see a lot because um, for different reasons, but a lot of times with my patient base, it's people that have had trauma from foods because of an autoimmune flare, whether that be you know a, a thyroid flare or a digestive flare or a neurological flare or a musculoskeletal flare. And then they're like, whoa, I don't ever want to feel that again. And I'm starting to fear food. And 
And that uh, trauma of the autoimmune flare, the inflammatory flare triggered orthorexia, which is a stress uh, disordered eating anxiety around healthy foods. And then they have like three foods to eat and we have to start to like heal them, but also heal their relationship with food. So oftentimes like we are really leaning into these practices with them, the functional medicine stuff and sort of the mind, body, emotional healing stuff too. And then oftentimes we have to integrate like eating disorder specialists at the same time to work in conjunction as a team for these people. And that's a conversation I'm having in intuitive fasting. There's a whole section in the book to say, look, I mean, this is an amazing tool that can be used for good and it is flexible and it is measured and it is moderate in many ways. But even measured, moderate, amazing things can be abused. So uh, I say, like, look, this is good for pretty much anybody. But if you have an eating disorder, you need to talk to your doctor and talk to your eating disorder specialist, both of them preferably, to get the okay to do something like this. Because I don't want, this is not to add to your shame and obsession. And sometimes you have to heal your relationship with food and your body before you lean into something like this. With that said, there are many people with disordered eating that do their tools, do the tools that I'm talking about in intuitive fasting, and it actually helps them. Because when their brain's working better, their blood sugar's working better, they're eating really nutrient-dense foods until they're full, very strategically, but very into their full, they feel better than ever. And in conjunction with their eating disorder specialist, this is part of their healing journey. But at the same time, I wanted to be used in a healthy way. And sometimes when they're working with a specialist, specialist needs to know what they're doing. But I think feeling good, getting blood sugar stability, being well-fed is very much an important thing for somebody struggling with disordered eating and they'll learn about their bodies like a lot of the what i'm having talking about in the book is these metaphysical meals like checking in when you're not eating food and then like snacking all day and binging and stuff like that you're really really focusing on these uh, eating windows when you're not eating maybe cultivate a mindfulness practice or start a, a meditation practice, do some journaling, going out in nature, all of these things, these acts of stillness can really start to heal someone's relationship with food and untangle and realize they aren't their thoughts and emotions. They aren't their compulsive thoughts. They, how was their relationship with food? I mean, were they having it as a, uh, was it because they were bored or because they were using it to numb something and start to heal that trauma over time. So I think it actually can be a great tool in conjunction with the need sort of specialist uh, to learn about themselves. Mm -hmm. so it's important. It's an important part of my work and that's why I put it in the book. Absolutely. No, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I think that's one of my favorite things about following you and reading your books is it, you're so based in, in science and, and mm -hmm. truth and, and the body, but you're also so much about the bio-individuality of each person. And as somebody, I think we can get inundated with so much in wellness. And I just, I always love your emphasis, even in keto, it's like you're ketotarian, right? It's like you make it work for, um, for everyone, which is Thanks. so great. And I think what you just said is a good lead in as we head into our three wrap up questions. And I know you answered two of these last time we have since, um, added another one. And the world though has changed quite a bit since the last time you were on the podcast. So um, the first question that we always ask is what is your self-care routine? How do you take care of your mind and spirit? What are your self-care non-negotiables? I love that. Did I answer this last time? 
I think so. Yes. Okay. Well, if I answered it, I don't remember exactly what I said, but it's probably stayed the same because I'm pretty much like a creature of routine and habit. <laughs> and, and so I, my whole team and my wife will tell you that too. I'm basically like very routine. Um, so I, a lot of my self-care practices I actually include in intuitive fasting because this is what I do. Like I, I, I do these fascinating eating windows. Like this week I'm doing an OMAD approach. Well, um, yeah, I'm doing it a little bit more than in the book because the book's every other day for week three, but I'm doing it. I did it almost every day, but I, it makes, I've grown an intuition and I want people to learn about that for themselves. You're going to find we're all better in different places. Like I, I wanted to do this more and I feel really good. And then some weeks I won't do that and I'll let, I'll eat all day long healthy foods and that's okay. It should be have you should have a, a flexibility and a grace to this stuff um so i'm doing omad right now and i feel really good i you, you see me like chugging on this 40 of black tea it's like this massive thing of like trader joe's tea java tea i love this so tea is my self-care for sure uh, I, and I have a whole section about tea in there and specifically to fasting Earl Grey tea, which I may have mentioned before, cause I talk a lot about Earl Grey tea, but it has a citrus, uh, fruit or oil, citrus oil from Calabria called bergamot and bergamot has been shown to increase autophagy, that's cellular recycling. So I'll, uh, typically when I fast, I'll have, I'll have some Earl Grey tea or other teas. Like right now it's just a black tea. And, um, yeah, so that's the self-care practice. Uh, we have these meditation practices in the book too to do while you're fasting. You can do it anytime, but meditation is a big part of my self-care. Um, and it's not like super like deep as far, well, it's very super deep. It's not super complicated, super straightforward, whether that's just inner body awareness, like Eckhart Tolle talks about inner body awareness or just oh, feeling the aliveness in your body or present moment awareness or not using the present moment as like an obstacle or an enemy and like resisting and just wanting to get through the day, but really just anchoring yourself in the present moment and making the present moment your friend. And I, I have to do that to hold space for my patients to really be there with them fully, to hear what they're saying, to, to understand all that stuff. So that's a self-care practice all day long for me. And um, uh, what else? I, I I love the Peloton app. I, I like I like doing the weight training app. I actually do the weight training stuff more than the bike, but I, I I love that app. And their instructors are super smart, super like accessible, but still technical. And making sure that I'm doing it right. I'm like, you guys know all the bad form that I do. They're like correcting me, and they're not even there. So uh, I love that stuff. And I like. Um, I'm like a history nerd. So I, I like, it's very actually meditative for me to like learn about uh, history. I'm like into like 18th century English history. <laughs> so it's very calming for me to learn about this stuff, but th that's all the weird things that I do. No, I love that. I love that. Everybody has such a unique, you know, spin on it. And it's like, it's always fun to hear. Yeah. Um, okay. So the second one is what does being courageous mean to you? Wow. Uh, wow. Being courageous. I think at this point in my life, it is um, being standing true to what you believe in, even when it's unpopular. And at the same time, not feeling like you have to shout your opinion from the rooftops and you can be 
steady and still and know what the truth is in your heart uh, and with your close circle of friends, but not have to scream it, not have to pontificate it on social media, not try to get in, in Twitter fights and create more chaos in the world to just hold space for what you know without having to convince the world around it. So I think that is an act of rebellious courage in many ways. And um, I don't know, I, I think in, in our culture too, there, there's a lot of vitriol and a lot of tribalism going on where it can be um, really difficult to uh, feel like you can ever speak up because you're afraid of offending somebody, afraid of being canceled, afraid of being blacklisted. It's just so ugly out there that I think that to be a source of love and a source of grace and a source of understanding in a very, not very understanding culture at all, I think is a very much an act of courage. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Our last question is, do you have any book recommendations for our audience that have been uh, particularly inspiring to you? I know you have three personal books, but um, yeah. is there anything else that you would like to recommend that has been inspiring to you along the way? Besides mine, right? I, I right. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I may have said this last time if you didn't ask me, but Eckhart Tolle's books are probably my favorite books ever. And I listen to them over and over again on audiobooks, and I have the actual books, but power of now, a new earth, like really transformational books. They're just to me, logical ways of living. Uh, uh, Cause a lot of the world is really uh, dysfunctional. It is a very logical sound, peaceful way of living. And I brought a little bit of that concept into intuitive fasting because it's such a, a sane way of living. Uh, so those two are probably the, my, my, the best books ever for me. Thank you. And um, so, of course, if anybody wants to follow you, find your work, um, where can they? And then on top of that, we will link your, uh, your book is available for pre-order and soon <laughs> It will be released. So, um, you know, where can they find that as well? Yeah, everything's at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. We offer free webcam phone health evaluations if people want a functional medicine perspective on their case from the telehealth center here. Um, and you mentioned Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth actually wrote the foreword of intuitive fasting. So she's intuitive fasting and uh it is, I'm really excited for people to, to read this book. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Thank you so much again for joining us today. We really, we love having you come back anytime. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.